voice. Would you take your Bibles with me? And uh, would you turn to Philippians chapter 1? Philippians chapter 1. How many of you have noticed a few banners in the auditorium? The rest of you, you need to start paying attention. And uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we have a few banners in the front of our auditorium here. There's one back in the uh, above the coat rack there. How many of you saw the one in the hallway? Did anybody see it? One, two, three. Uh, you all will have to share the award. The award is whatever you find in the hallway floor back there. You can take. And uh, but no, uh, our banners on the walls here in the back is for our church theme for the year. And I want you to look at our verse that we're going to look together for our church theme. And we're going to have that up here uh, later this week. Philippians chapter one and verse number twenty-seven. If you will look there with me, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel striving together for the faith of the gospel. As a local church in this new year, if the Lord tarries is coming, our goal and our theme I want us to focus on is exactly that, that striving together. I've never ridden a, a tandem bicycle before. If I ever do, we should get a video. It'll probably go viral when I wreck and tear several joints in my body. <laughs> But uh, I would take my wife on a tandem bicycle, but I wouldn't want to get her as injured as I would get. Brother Bonnie, you want to go? I'll take you. Me and, me and Brother Bonnie can ride one. But if you ride a tandem bicycle, it's uh, two people working and struggling together to pedal to go the same direction. They're not going different directions. They're going the same. And this year in 2023, I want us as a church to realize that God has a purpose for us. We're together. We're not going different directions. We're all to be going the same direction. And we're to be striving together. For what purpose? Not for ourselves. But the Bible tells us very plainly there for the faith of the gospel. And by the way, that's all that really matters. This world is going to pass away. We're waiting right now on permits from the city to do some more renovations to our building. And I'm looking forward to that. How many of you are looking forward to having extra bathrooms? Hallelujah. I saw a lineup back here. There was a fist fight breaking out. Dallas was punching somebody in the face back there, waiting in line. And uh, he threatened me, so I left. And uh, we, we need some more bathrooms. We need, I can't wait to get our classroom space done upstairs and all of that. But uh, can I tell you that one day this building is going to rot away? One day it's going to burn? One day this isn't going to be here? By the way, most likely one day in the next couple of years, we're going to have to say goodbye to this building, whether Christ is back or not. We're going to run out of space. You know, the buildings don't matter. Things don't matter. But the cause of Christ matters. And I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. As you do so, I want to ask the ushers to come give me a hand for a moment. Brother Bonnie, uh, Brother Jerice, Brother Eric, would you mind giving me a hand as well? Brother Krim, can I get you fellas to come? As you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, take a group of these. We've got a gift for each and every one of you. I want you to get 
give everybody one of these. Go in the nursery too, fellas, and make sure that all the workers back there get one. We've got a bookmark I want you to get. The bookmark has our banner you see right over here on it. Uh, our striving together on the back of our bookmark has Philippians chapter 127. Let me encourage you to put this in your Bible as you read through and study the Bible this year to be reminded of our purpose together as a local church, striving together, serving Him. As you look there at 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, would you look at verses 3 through 15 with me? I'm going to read. If you'll follow along with me, the Bible tells us here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And let's pray together this morning. Lord, as we open your word together this morning to be encouraged, to be challenged, Lord, not just for today, but Lord, for the foreseeable future, as we look and wait for the eastern sky to split open, as we wait for your return, Lord, I pray this morning as we focus on this matter of striving together, and Lord, as we focus on your ministry, our ministry together for the sake of the gospel, Lord, I pray that Lord, we would focus on you. God, would you help us to learn these truths this morning? Lord, as we examine this passage in 1 Corinthians, Lord, we see a church that was not striving together, but rather a church that was striving amongst themselves. A church that was not following your pattern, but that had gone off course. A carnal church. A church that was stuck in a rut. Lord, I pray that we would heed the warning. And Lord, that we would gloriously go forward in this year to come, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And Lord, bless us now. Lord, help me to teach and preach and write your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. That expression we see there in Philippians, the expression that is the theme of for this year for our church striving together we find in our text first there in Philippians it means to work together 
to pull together, to encourage one another as we go the same direction, as we strive for the same goal. Can I tell you that as believers, our goal today is the same goal as it was for the church at Philippi. The same goal that was supposed to be for the church at Colossae. Uh, the same goal that was supposed to be for the church at Ephesus. The church at Philippi. The church even at Corinth, although they failed miserably. And that is to strive together for the faith of the gospel. We see there in Philippians 1.27 that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. We're going to examine several things over this next year, and we're going to take every first Sunday night. And by the way, tonight, before I forget, and I will forget, uh, during our 4 o'clock service, we're going to talk about striving together for your family. And uh, I encourage every family, plan on being here at 4 o'clock today. You don't want to miss tonight. And it'll, it'll be a help. It'll be encouragement to you. Uh, you don't want to miss this evening our fellowship after. But we're going to look at several things about how we can strive together. And we're going to look today at 1 Corinthians because 1 Corinthians opens up a door into a church that was struggling and was not striving together. And we see here God gave the Apostle Paul to pen to this church, the struggling church, this carnal church, these believers that weren't pulling together, rather they were fighting one another. There were some problems. There were some difficulties as God is getting them back on track. Someone once said, teamwork makes the dream work. But can I tell you, in the church in Corinth, <laughs> there was no teamwork. Rather, there was battle. There was struggle. By the way, in other churches, sometimes here, we may fall in the same category. But I want us to be on the same page with Christ for the faith of the gospel as we strive together in ministry, in ministry. We're going to talk this morning about how, as believers, as a corporate body of believers in a local church, how we can strive together in ministry serving the Lord Jesus Christ here, where we are. Number one this morning, we see here in our text in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you look in verse 3 and 4 with me, we see the mistake of competitiveness. The mistake of competitiveness in ministry. The Bible tells us in verse 3, For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? The Bible likens a local church to a family. We see that in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. First uh, Timothy chapter 5 verse uh, 1 and 2, we see the same thing. Ephesians 2 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and the saints of the household of God. In the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, it says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Now, we're going to talk about our families, our homes this afternoon. But in any family, whenever there's strife, there's a problem. Whenever there's difficulty, 
uh, a healthy and a happy family does not compete or battle one another. There's unity for the same goal, the same purpose. The church at Corinth was a family. It was a dysfunctional family. It was a dysfunctional family. They had competitiveness. There were those that said, well, I like Paul. I think Paul's the one we had. And then there were those, oh, no, I like Apollos. By the way, Paul and Apollos were not leading revolts or leading coups against one another. It wasn't Paul's fault. It wasn't Apollos' fault. Rather, it was the family, this dysfunctional family, the church at Corinth, that were battling one another and becoming competitive with one another. And can I tell you, there was a problem. What does God give them here in our passage as a truth? It says in verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. Notice the characteristics of their behavior. We're going to see some characteristics here of their behavior. We see there was envy. Envy. By the way, envy describes how you feel. That's a feeling. You know, we're so concerned with our feelings today. Envy is a feeling. Envy results from discontentment. Envy results in not having gratitude and having the space that is reserved for gratitude vacant. And when it is vacant, can I tell you, often it's filled with envy. Instead of receiving from the Lord and being grateful for what God has given me, I look at others and say, man, I want what they have. And I become envious. We see that here. And we, if we go on, they were envious of other spiritual gifts. I, I wish I could do, I wish I had the gift that brother so-and-so did. I, I wish I had the gift that that dear sister had. I, I wish I had this. I, I want this. I, we don't look at what God has given us. Envying is what they felt. Not only envying, but we see there as well strife. Can I tell you, envying is what they felt. Strife is what they said. Strife is what came out of them. By the way, whatever is inside of you will come out. It will come out. I got food poisoning in the summer of 1996, a few weeks before I got married. I thought I was going to die. I really did. I thought I was dying. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I, I don't mean to be gross with you, but whatever came into me, it came out. I, I couldn't keep down a sip of water. It, it literally, everything came out. And can I tell you, when it comes to envying, when it comes to wrong thoughts, wrong feelings, they will result in you saying the wrong thing. We see strife here. Numbers 11 says, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Yeah, but I have a right to complain, God. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. We, we go to God with our grievances. Well, God, I, 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 I have a right to feel the way I feel, and I'm angry, and I'm going to feel angry. God, I don't care what you say. And we displease the Lord. But you feel vindicated. We feel, that's, our, that's my right but it displeased the Lord. By the way, it displeased the Lord in Corinth. It displeases the Lord in Edmonton. It displeases the Lord everywhere. They had envy. That's what they felt. There was strife. That's what they said. And then there was division. 
The Bible says they divided. That's what they did. That's how they acted. They began to divide and separate and say, well, I like this person. I like this person. I, I don't like this. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with you here, and I don't agree here, and we're all going to be separated rather than coming together. You know, for the Bonnie and I ever got a chance to ride that tandem bicycle, we'll have to do that sometime before the year's out. We'll get a photo shoot. We'll have an ambulance on, on standby. If we went to the tandem bicycle and I said, Brother Bonnie, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to ride this way. And he said, no, we're riding that way. That's not going to turn out well for us. We're going to get nowhere. There was division. Proverbs 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Can I tell you that was not the will of God? That behavior of, boy, I like Paul better than Apollos. I like Apollos better. I like his style. Can I tell you that those men were different men? Paul, Paul was a man who was trained as a rabbi, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And then we have Apollos. Apollos, who was trained totally differently, the Greek training and philosophy and their backgrounds, their personalities, their dispositions, the way they came across, probably the way they taught, the way they preached, it was different. Does that mean one was good and one was bad? No. It means that God used both of them to meet the needs of the family of God in Corinth. The believers gathered together so they could strive together for the faith of the gospel but yet they cause division. We see there the character of their behavior, but also we see the conclusion about their behavior. What's God say about it? Verse 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? If we go back to verse 1 and 2 of our text there, it says, and I, brethren, cannot speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, notice this, as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. Christian, these believers in Corinth, rather than striving together for the faith of the gospel, they were sucking their thumbs. They were childish. They were acting like little children. They weren't grown. They weren't maturing. They were stunted in their spiritual growth. They were childish. They were not only childish, they were carnal. They were carnal. Their behavior we see in verse 3 and 4, we see it used six times. Six times in the church at Corinth, God calls them carnal. By the way, the only letter, the only church that received a letter that said, hey, you're carnal, Corinth. Now, does that mean there weren't carnal tendencies in other churches? No. But it was the flavor of the church. It was carnal. This week I was here at the church, and the girls messaged me. They were going out shopping. I hate shopping. And they were out eating at IHOP. How many of you are hungry now? 
And Lizzie said, Dad, you should come. You should come have lunch with us. And I said, no, I can't. I'm, I'm, I was the office. And I said, okay, I'll come over. But then I got back to the office. And so I drove to IHOP. They ordered the meal for me before I got there. We sat down and ate. And I, I'm a pepper fan. And I was putting pepper on my country fried steak. By the way, that's what everybody should eat for breakfast. Country fried steak and gravy, Miss Lois. Some fried potatoes. Hallelujah. Some eggs. And... I grabbed the salt shaker just to put a drop of salt on my eggs. And the salt shaker's salt just went over my whole plate. Every bite, the flavor was nothing but salt. It was miserable. I ate it because I'm a fat man. And, uh, but it was too salty. The flavor was salt. The flavor of the church at Corinth was carnality. They were carnal. You know, it was not consistent with the new man. Carnal means of the flesh. The Bible tells us when we get saved, we become new creatures. Old things are put away. And yet, we have here born-again Christians who are new creatures who are living like they're still in the flesh. Who are acting like they have the old nature. Although they are new creatures in Christ. They're carnal. They're fleshly. Romans chapter 7 Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to ask you to turn there for sake of time this morning. But God gives us three classifications of people. And by the way, in all the world, these three classifications work. Number one, in those two passages, we see the spiritual man. We see a Christian who is, lives with the fullness of the Holy Spirit's presence and his will and all of his ways. By the way, that's what God wants for you and for me. God wants me to live with the understanding of God's presence in my life and living for him for his purpose. Then there's the natural man, the unsaved man. By the way, if you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it matters not how spiritual you want to be. It matters not how good you are or how many good deeds you do or how good people think you are or how much people speak of all oh, that. That fellow, he's such a good man or she's a good woman. And some, someone may stand up someday at your funeral and extol all the goodness that you've done. But can I tell you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're lost. You're lost. You're lost, unsaved. And the natural, unsaved, lost man without Jesus Christ, without the new birth, without being born again, you know what you find? You find that no matter how you try to satisfy God or find happiness or to find fulfillment, it's futile. It's futile. A few days ago, a man who was revered as a spiritual man breathed his last breath. A few days ago, former Pope, former head of the Catholic Church, his heart beat for the very last time. I can't presume to know nor would I, the condition of his soul before a holy God. 
But can I tell you that when he stood before his maker, as every one of us will, it matters not that he did religious works. It matters not that he was revered as a great theologian by many people in the world. It matters not that he may have done wonderful things if he personally himself never realized his need of a Savior and trusted Christ alone. The same is true for every person in this room. There are those who are Christians, those who are born again, operating, understanding the presence of God in their life. There are those who are lost without Christ. And then there's a third group. The third group are those we see in the church in Corinth. The carnal man. The carnal Christian. The carnal man in Scripture is a man who is saved but has reverted to his old way of living according to the pattern of this world and of the flesh. And can I tell you the most frustrated, most miserable person on earth is a Christian living outside the will of God. The church at Corinth was full of those who were living outside the will of God, not striving together for the faith of the gospel, but rather striving against their brother, against their sisters, striving against their God, striving against God's purpose. Number two, and I've got to hurry this morning, we, we see the miracle of cooperation. The miracle, and it is a miracle, the miracle of cooperation and ministry. We see this here in our text in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who's Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. And ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. And let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. This is the heart of the chapter. This is the heart of the teaching of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We see that cooperation and ministry is two directions. It is horizontal and it's vertical. And we see that pictured here by Paul and Apollos. We see that pictured as well here. Uh, there was a division of responsibility. Now, we just read verses 5 through 8, and we read about two men, Paul and Apollos, totally different men. I mentioned from different backgrounds, different training, different upbringing. Apollos was from Alexandria. I mean, imagine that. Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of Jews, a rabbi, a teacher. And then you have Apollos who came from everything opposed, where Greek philosophy prevailed. That was their backgrounds. Two differing men, two completely different personalities. But praise God, both of them saved by the grace of a holy God. God can and will use anybody that is yielded to him. 
But God had these two different men minister in the church at Corinth for a period of time. And they cooperated in ministry. I don't believe for a second that Apollos said, hey, uh, I want you all to follow me, stop following Paul. I don't think Paul said, hey, follow me, don't follow Apollos. They were working together. They were striving together, ministering together for the faith of the gospel. They were balancing out and carrying different needs and responsibilities in ministry. What a wonderful thing that as we strive together in a local church for the faith of the gospel, that we can have a division of responsibility and we can carry the load, not all of us the same load, not all of us the same amount of load, but we can carry that load together and fulfill God's purpose. You know, what the church at Corinth, these believers missed out on was there was plenty of room for them to say, man, I sure appreciate the ministry of Paul. I appreciate as well the ministry of Apollos and, and, and the burden that he cares and he carries. It's natural for us to gravitate towards folks that, if you will, fit our personality type a little better. That's a natural thing. But as believers, we need to appreciate that God has a purpose for all of us. Not that, oh, man, these are the only two people that, you know, they're the only people that I care about. They're the only people that I believe really know what ministry is about. And everybody else are a bunch of losers. Can I tell you how common that is in the average church today? All too common. It was common in the church at Corinth. But not only was it common, it was childish and carnal. And it still is today. But we see that unity. There was that division of responsibility that brought that unity. Romans 12 verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, all our members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Can I tell you that Paul and Apollos had totally different gifts? I've got an ankle that, praise the Lord, is finally starting to heal up a little bit. But that ankle joint, I've been pretty hard on it. It has to carry all 235 pounds of me around. Uh, as I walk, it, it connects my foot to my leg and it rolls when I fall down the stairs. Uh, now, it does a different job. Than my wrist. Now they're similar. I don't walk on my hands. Uh, I had a friend when I was in college, a fellow in Chicago that I became friends with. His name was Tudor Dimitru. He was from Romania. He was a hardwood floor refinisher. And he was about this tall. He was about that wide. And he was about that thick. He was built like a concrete block. He was powerful, powerful guy. He spent all day refinishing hardwood floors. I mean, the guy was a mountain. And he could walk on his hands better than I could walk on my feet. He'd flip up and start walking in his hands. I'm like, Tudor, you're crazy, man. I said, I can barely walk upright. Now, our, the, this joint and this joint here may be similar, but they do different functions. Many of us may have similar seeming function, but every one of us, placed together in the body of Christ, serve a unique and distinct function 
that God wants us to strive together for the faith of the gospel going forward as we see Paul and Apollos here. Our relationship is connected. Last year, Boxing Day, I fell and I tore this knee. The tendon that connects up here and connects to this kneecap snapped in half. And the kneecap was separated. And this leg, I, I couldn't do this. Now, I could let it hang, but I couldn't bend it. If I tensed the muscle to pull it, it did nothing because it was not connected. That's a problem when things are not connected. <laughs> That's a problem when they don't work the way they're supposed to. Can I tell you, Christians, that we need to be connected together, laboring and striving together? We as individual members, as we have a, that division of responsibility, uh, one together. So we're connected. How wonderful that is. Connected to him. Not only was there a division of responsibility, but there was a divine reliance. I said that it is horizontal, our connection together. But this is a wonderful thing. Christian, you and I get to work together with him. We get to rely on our God and labor together with Christ for the faith of the gospel. What a wonderful truth that is. In verse 9, the Bible says, For we are laborers together with God. That's powerful. We don't just labor together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, although we're to do that. We labor with Him. We labor with Him. The Bible goes on to tell us there, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. By the way, we, let me go back just a little bit. Paul and Apollos, God gave Paul a, an illustration of them and basically said, you know, one of us plants and one of us waters. How many of you ever worked in a garden before? You ever planted seed, ever watered before? You know, when I was just a little boy, I worked with my grandpa in the garden. I didn't have a training course. I didn't, uh, Brother Jerese, I didn't have to watch a video on, on occupational safety hazards on, on the farm. Now, they probably have to today, but I didn't have a course like that. I didn't have any protective gear. Uh, I probably had a, a T-shirt and a pair of cut-off blue jeans. Uh, I probably didn't even have shoes on. I guarantee you I did not have shoes on. Uh, as I'm out there working in the garden, as the dirt's oozing between my toes, as I'm pushing that little cedar across that garden, didn't take any skill to do that. Doesn't take any skill to drop a seed in the ground. Doesn't take any skill to pour water out of a bucket. Unskilled, but needful. When it comes to the harvest, the seed sower, the waterer, they're not the important players. It's the seed. Get that. We together, joined together, separate, different, sharing the load just as laborers for God's purpose. But we see a different analogy here. We see the analogy of a different type of work. 
God's the owner of the work. We see the master builder here. God's the owner of the work. He's the master builder. God's not only the owner of the work, he's the enabler. He enables you and I to work together. He enables you and I to strive together to build. In verse 10, according to the grace of God, which hath given me, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You know, just as neither the sower or the waterer cares for germination, does that work. God does that work. When it comes to building, God is the one that laid the foundation. John chapter 15, the gospel of John 15 verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Nothing. Lastly, I'm going to close with this this morning. As we think about striving in ministry, as we desire in the year to come to strive together, focus together for ministry for the grace of faith of the gospel. Number three, we see the materials. The materials for construction in ministry. Each of us could hold a sign up, and it will be true, that says, under construction. Because all of us are truly still under construction. When I was a 11, 12-year-old child, the church that I went to, matter of fact, at that church, yesterday was the 34th anniversary 34 years ago last night, I stood behind the pulpit in that same church and preached the gospel for the first time. But that little church where I attended as a boy, where I graduated from high school and went off to Bible college from, that little church, we had a children's choir and we sang a song that was pretty new at the time. He's still working on me. Some of you know that song. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart. There could be a sign on your heart and on mine that we're not finished yet. He's still working on us. We're under construction. But I love this. God's the one that provides for the construction of your life. God's the one that provides the materials for your life and for mine. The foundation upon which we build our lives and the ministry of the local church is Jesus Christ. By the way, the, the church is not the foundation. The church is not that foundation we build upon. It is Christ. Verse 11, it says, For other foundation can no man lay. That is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the only sure foundation to build a relationship on. Only sure foundation to build a family on. Only sure foundation to build a Sunday school class or a missionary endeavor or a local church. That is the only sure foundation. There is no other. As we think about the materials for the construction in ministry, as we strive together in ministry, we think of the resilience of our materials. Look in verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, Stubbles. Can I tell you there are many things that you allow to go into the building of your house? 
of your life. We allow many things to go into the building of our lives. Our choices, our relationships, our financial expenditures, our response to difficulty, our investments of time, of energy. But all the materials of your life and mine, all the materials of ministry fall in two categories. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. First, there's the temporal. The temporal materials, God likens them here in 1 Corinthians to wood, hay, and stubble, which will be gone, which will burn away, which are useless, which are pointless. And then we see here in 1 Corinthians 3 the eternal gold, silver, precious stones. Temporal materials are what this world values. Possessions. Pleasure. Power. That's what the world wants. And as Moses said, the pleasures of this world for a season. For a season. Just a little while. But Christian, this morning, be reminded of the eternal. As we strive together in ministry, may we focus on what really matters, on that which is eternal. Heavenly values, character, virtue, truth, mercy, righteousness, so many things that are eternal, the lives of men and women. An encouraging word, an unselfish act, a helping hand presentation of the gospel the kind of materials that we value and that we seek to build our lives on can I tell you we'll also build our ministries on and may we as we strive together in ministry may we realize the value of what really matters what really is important Colossians chapter 3 says if ye then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. There's an old story I'm sure many of you have heard, I may have shared before. An old story told of a man who was a Christian, but he had learned to value the world's things more than God's. And his particular proclivity was that towards gaining wealth. And as he gained wealth, he would take that wealth and he would buy gold bars and he would hide them on his property. And as he was praying one day, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, when I, when I go to heaven, can I bring one thing with me? And the Lord spoke to him. By the way, this, this is a story, you understand. <laughs> there was no illicit drugs involved. And the Lord said, no, we don't let you bring anything with you to heaven. He said, but Lord, I really, really, really want to bring something with me. And he said, what do you want to bring? He said, well, he said, you see, Lord, I've worked hard in my life, and I've saved a lot of money, and I've got a lot of gold bars, and I'd like to bring a, a suitcase full of gold bars with me to heaven. And the Lord said, okay, I'll allow it. So the guy came to the end of his life, and he died, and he showed up to heaven, and he had with him as God said he would, he had a suitcase full of gold bars. 
As he started to enter the gate into heaven, they said, whoa, 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 hold on. You can't bring anything with you. That's not allowed. And the guy said to the angels guarding the gate, oh, no, it's okay. I talked to the Lord. The Lord said it was perfectly fine. He allowed me to bring one suitcase. The angels said, okay, that's fine, but we need to inspect what you're bringing before you, we let you in. They opened the suitcase and said, oh, by all means, come on inside. All he has is a suitcase full of pavement. Can I tell you that in scope of eternity, our gold means nothing. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. We talked about the resilience of materials. We'll close with this. Look, if you will, at verse 13 in our text, 1 Corinthians 3. We see the revealing of our works, of our works. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. By the way, you're not excluded from that. It's all of us. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. This reminds us that there will come a day not where your works are, good works will put on one side and bad on the other, and as long as your good works are more than your bad works, then you go to heaven. This is not speaking about salvation. The Bible says salvation is by grace through faith alone. That's it. You can't add anything to it. You can't do anything for it. All you can do is believe. That's it. There's nothing else you add to salvation. We're talking about here reward in heaven. The Bible says every man's work will be revealed. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Our works will be manifest. That word manifest refers to something being revealed as obvious, something being shown as clear. That's how God describes the judgment seat of Christ. The words that were spoken, thoughts you entertained. Actions may be hidden by everybody else, to everyone else, and yet the Lord sees. Manifest. How foolish to think we can hide our disobedience from God. Hebrews 4 verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked. And open are the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Look at verse 14 and 15. We see the results of our judgment. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. As with the servants of the parable of Matthew 25, our Lord is keeping record of our service, not to punish and beat and belittle us, but rather to keep record of reward. You see, the only thing that's really going to matter that day is what we've done that is gold, silver, precious stone. As we can receive reward for being faithful, anticipating the commendation of our Savior, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Christians this morning, church this morning, May we, in this year, 
as long as the Lord gives us. May we strive together in ministry for the faith of the gospel so that we may hear those words from our lovely Lord. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servants. In 1887, or 1877, that was a long time ago, I would make a joke about Miss Lois being a little girl, but that would be rude. In 1877, a Baptist hymn writer from Massachusetts by the name of Charles C. Luther heard a preacher named A.G. Upham tell a story. Brother Upham told a story of a young man who had gotten saved. He'd only been saved for about a month. He just got saved. Brand new Christian, brand new convert. A month after getting saved, he found out he was going to die. A terrible disease was going to take his life. Only a month being a Christian on this earth, and he's ready to face the Lord. And he made a statement to this preacher, and the preacher told the story in this message. And this young man, a Christian only for one month before he was ready, almost ready to die, said, I'm not afraid to die because Jesus saved me. He said, but must I go in empty-handed? That hymn writer over 150 years ago took those words whispered by a young new Christian who was ready to face eternity. And he wrote a hymn, not focusing on that young man, but rather focusing on those of us who have time to serve the Lord and yet waste it. The words of that song, must I go in empty-handed? Must I face my, my dear Redeemer, thus my dear Redeemer meet? Not one day of service give him Lay no trophy at his feet. Must I go and empty-handed? Must I see my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? All the years in sinning wasted. Could I but recall them now? I would give them to my Savior. To his will I gladly bow. O oh, ye saints, arouse, be earnest, up and work while it is day, ere the night of death overtake us. Strive for souls while you may. May we strive together in ministry for the faith of the gospel. May we learn from the failures of the church at Corinth. God, by His Holy Spirit, inspired and preserved His Word for us today that we can take His purpose and allow His priority, His priority to be ours. 
and that we might labor together and strive together, not against, but together for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your blessed word this morning. Lord, I thank you for another year, the dawn of a new year we have to serve you together here. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would desire, that we would commit ourselves afresh and anew to striving together for the faith of the gospel in ministry here at this local church. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would realize that you died on Calvary's tree, were buried and rose again. The Son of God became flesh, dwelt amongst us and died, buried and rose again to pay our sin debt. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I pray that that one here this morning may come believing, trusting, receiving the free gift of eternal life today. Lord, would you work? Would you help every decision to be made to honor you? Lord, would you bless in this time of invitation. May you be glorified as we seek to strive together for the faith of the gospel. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Royce, if you would, lead us in the song of invitation this morning. Let's turn to number 489, I Surrender All. And let's stand together as we sing number 489. Oh, to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. you can. Uh, if you want to be seated just for a moment, we've got a couple of things to do. I want our young folks to be able to come in this morning. Uh, Brother Colton brought his entourage with him. And uh, it's good to see you kids here this morning. 
And uh, we have a couple of things to do. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to have a couple of baptisms. Uh, but before we do that, we have a couple of families uh, coming this morning, uh, coming and, uh, to join a membership with Cornerstone Baptist Church. I want to ask uh, Brother Herman, why don't you and Miss Teresa come up just for a second? You can come up here. It's okay. I won't bite you, I promise. I might bite him. I haven't decided. But uh, Brother Herman and Miss Teresa have been able to be with us for a while here. And, uh, they came to me, uh, I believe that was Wednesday night. Yeah. And so, Pastor, uh, we want uh, to join uh, into membership at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And both uh, he and his wife, of course, uh, trusted Christ their Savior. They've been scripturally baptized. And uh, they said, Pastor, we want to we be a part of Cornerstone Baptist Church. We want to join in. And I'll tell you what a wonderful thing on a day like today, the first day of our year, uh, as we serve together in Christ, and we get to strive together in ministry together. And uh, not only my brother... And my sister, but also now fellow church members. And uh, so we're going to have a really official vote now. Uh, all those in favor of receiving uh, Herman and Teresa in a membership, you may do so by saying amen. amen. And those opposed Thank you. can leave there. And uh, that worked really well. All right. Have you guys have a seat, if you will, just for a moment. And uh, Brother Kevin, you must Faye to come up. And I mentioned, I mentioned, I believe it was Sunday night, uh, Brother Kevin contacted with us during COVID and watched our service online from six hours, seven hours away, and uh, said, Pastor, I want to bring my family there, and psych somewhere down there, and uh, said, I want to bring my family to Cornerstone Baptist Church, and this morning, uh, Kevin, his dear wife, said, Pastor, we want to join. We want to uh, come in a membership here, both of them, uh, born again in the Philippines. You said you were how old? Fourteen? years ago. How many? Yeah, it was 14 years ago. He said 14. Yeah. <laughs> he said 14. I said, oh, about 10 years ago, something like that. And uh, we're not going to guess how old. We're, we're going we're gonna to make it easy on you. But, no, I'm, I'm excited uh, to have them here, and they've been an encouragement and blessing. I'm excited to have them as members here and as they, we strive together uh, for the faith of the gospel. And all those in favor of uh, receiving a membership, uh, but Kevin is dear family, uh, you can say amen. amen. And those opposed... Yeah, exactly. Amen. God bless you, my brother. Appreciate it. Welcome. And if you guys want to have a seat, do me a favor. We're going to have a baptism here real quick. After our baptism, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Herman and Brother Kevin, after when we dismiss, can I get you guys to go in the back? And I want you folks, I want you to greet him, welcome him in the membership here. Uh, but first, we have a baptism while we're getting ready. You want to lead in maybe one more verse? Where's Miss Lois? Well, there she is. Let's have one more verse while I go get these guys ready. 